0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, good morning, Connect Church. Let's thank our team for leading us out this morning and singing the gospel. It is so good uh, to have you on this Memorial Day weekend. And I'm just so grateful that you are here as we make much of Jesus together. And we do everything we can to connect everyone to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Since the end of the Revolutionary War, we have lost over 650,000 brave men and women of our armed forces. Another 539,000 have died in non-combat-related incidences. As I shared with you guys in the email this past Friday, you and I, we can do the living, we can make a living, we can enjoy the living because somebody's already done the dying for us. We can do the living. We can make a living. We can enjoy the living All because somebody's already done the dying for us. And today we honor those who did just that so that you and I can freely live today. And what is the greatest nation on the planet? I want to do this. Uh, Today's Memorial Day and we honor those who have fallen. But I also want to honor those who were willing to fall for you and for me so if you are a veteran can I ask you just for a moment if you can to please stand all of our veterans if you're able to would you please stand so that we could recognize you thank you thank you for your service thank you and I tell you what thank you for your willingness your sacrifice for my freedom, the freedom of everyone in this room. I want to do something a little different too. If you've had someone, a friend, a family member, someone who paid the ultimate price for our freedom, can I just ask you to stand? We want to honor them as you stand today. You've known somebody. Absolutely. Thank you for your sacrifice. Hey, thank you for the sacrifice of your, your loved one. I get the joy to preach the gospel today because of sacrifices of men and women like so many in this room and so many in the great history of our country. I want to say this as well as we begin today. Um, I want to say happy birthday, Connect Church, not just Connect Church, but all the churches in our community and around the world this is the sunday uh, we celebrate pentecost sunday uh, this sunday from easter's when the church was birth in acts chapter two and so uh, another great celebration today is we celebrate the birth of of every church that has ever existed thanks to what christ has done i also want to say this next week is a a big sunday if everything continues to go as planned uh, next Sunday, we are going to both visually and with great detail uh, share with you what is the future home of Connect Church. And I am, I am so excited. I was, uh, I was dropping off a check to the bank a couple days ago. And the main window through the drive-thru was closed. And so I went to like one of those little uh, little other lanes where you have to put the container in there. And somehow it shoots it up in the bank uh, due to magic. And so I was in one of those lanes and I shot my check over into the bank, and a precious lady that we love comes on and goes, Pastor Anthony, you deposited a check today? I was like, yeah, she goes, we'll see. Where's the land, right? she, oh, really? You're holding my check hostage? Man, it was so funny, she caught me so off guard. Uh, and then I was, uh, my, my barber was in here a little earlier, I went and got my hair cut this, uh, this past Friday, and, uh, and I'm laying there. He always ends the haircut, which takes him about 45 seconds. He always ends the haircut with a straight razor. And he kind of shaves up my, my neck, all good stuff. I love it. So he gets out a straight razor and goes, Maybe this would be a really good time to ask you where the land is, right? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I mean, maybe so. Hey, I can't wait to share with you uh, uh, what God has done, what God continues to do. And so next week, Everything goes according to plan. We'll get to do that together and to celebrate Jesus together. And so I hope you'll be here next week for that. And one last thing I need to address, a, a controversy as we preached last week about the bread of life and, and will continue so today. One of the most controversial parts of the message was that Krispy Kreme donuts were not bread. And I want you to hear me. I will fight you to the death. That This is not only bread, but one, some of the greatest bread God had ever created. Can I get an amen from somebody in the crowd? Thank you very much. So to all the haters out there, that's bread. Anyway, uh, we, today's message uh, is entitled this, playing off the bread of life theme from last week, uh, Jesus in Scripture. And that is this, what to do when the bread of life is too hard to swallow. It's just Jesus and his message is... It's too hard to swallow. What are you and I to do? Well, we're going to find in Scripture here towards the end of John chapter 6. What it is we can do when the bread of life is just too hard to swallow. So we pick off where we were last week. Uh, They were asking about signs from Jesus. The crowds were clamoring for signs. Prove to us that you are this bread of life. And Jesus is merely sharing with them in this sermon at Capernaum. He's saying, I am the sign I am the Son of God. I am the Savior of the world. I am the bread of life sent down from heaven. I have changed the elements, turned water into wine. I have healed the sick. A little boy with a fever on his deathbed now lives. A paralytic man laying poolside in Bethesda now walks. I have created something out of nothing with that little boy's Jewish lunchable. And yet you still do not believe. He tells them. Watch this in verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I've told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. And so what Jesus does over the next few verses is he begins to unpack for us What it really looks like for you and I to believe in him. You ready? To eat from the bread of life. What it looks like for you and I to believe in him and so be safe from our sins. Find the very salvation for our souls. And what he does in this believing is we're going to find in the next few verses there is a father drawing, the sinner coming, and believing, and Jesus saving. And so it's here in this sermon at Capernaum. That Jesus gives us, if you will, the recipe, where he gives to us the ingredients for salvation. And I pray that you'll listen closely. Here's the first ingredient, and that is this. The ingredient to salvation is the Father's drawing. The Father drawing us in. Watch this in verse 44. That Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up, the Bible says, in the last days. This is one of those passages that theologians have fought over for centuries. And by the way, we're not going to settle it up today. We're just going to merely preach the word. But first we find the Father's drawing. I want you to hear me, church. We cannot come to Jesus without the Father's help. If the Father didn't draw us to Jesus, I want you to hear me, we would never come. Scripture teaches us. Uh, the word draw in John chapter 6, verse 44, can also carry with it in other places in Scripture the meaning of this, to drag something or someone against their will. We see that in John 21, 6, where fishing nets full of fish were dragged onto the shore. In Acts sixteen nineteen when Paul and Silas would be dragged into the marketplace before the rulers against their will. Clearly, neither the net nor Paul and Silas had any part in being dragged into the marketplace or being dragged onto the shore. You see, this word drag, when it's used in that way, carries with it the idea of coming against one's will. And I want you to hear me. The use of that word Dragging for draw is not the picture here in John chapter 6 in the text uh, The same word draw is used in places like John 12 32. Let me show it to you ready And I mean and this is Jesus speaking and I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself all people Certainly, he has not dragged all people against their will to be saved. Why? Because not all people are saved and in Christ. This is a reminder that while God draws us to Jesus, we must believe in Jesus to be saved. Uh, Some theologians talk about man's total depravity, but I'm telling you that you and I have a total inability to come to Jesus unless the Father draws us to Him. Augustine, the great upholder of the doctrines of grace, that early church father even said it this way, if a man is drawn, says an objector, he comes against his will. We answer, if he comes unwillingly, he does not believe. If he does not believe, he does not come. Think not that thou art drawn against thy will. The mind can be drawn by love. And I love that. You ready? The Father does not drag us to Jesus and save us against our will. Rather, he draws us and saves us through his love and grace. I love what one author noted. The word draw, it is a beautiful term denoting, watch this, the secret work of divine love. Isn't that good language? upon the hearts and the minds of men. Well, Anthony, let me ask you this. How do I know when the Father starts drawing my heart towards His? How do I know that the Father's drawing me to Jesus? You ready? When a sinner begins to hate their sin, when a sinner longs to be forgiven, when that sinner desires to know the Savior of sinners, that's a sure sign that God has begun To draw your heart, your mind, and your life towards Jesus. So as the Father draws us towards Jesus, the question in John chapter 6 becomes, what will you do when you get to Jesus? Will you eat from the bread of life? Will you believe in Jesus? So the first ingredient we find here is the father drawing, and here's the second ingredient, and that is the sinner believing. Watch this in in verse 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Remember, we talked about this last week. And Jesus answered this. The work of God is this, watch. To believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. Let me remind you of your condition and mine." Before the Father begins, before he begins to draw us, before Jesus saves us, can I remind you of our condition? John MacArthur would write this way. He would say this. We are dead in sin according to Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2. We are slaves to unrighteousness in John 8 and Romans 6. We are alienated from God in Colossians 1. We are hostile to him in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. We are this we are spiritually blinded in 2 Corinthians 4. We are captives in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are trapped in Satan's kingdom again according to Colossians 1. We are powerless to change our sinful nature in Jeremiah 13 again in Romans 5. We are unable to please God. In Romans 8, we are incapable of understanding spiritual truth. In 2 Corinthians 2, in John 14, and he writes, although the human will is involved in coming to Christ, since no one is saved apart from believing the gospel, we cannot get to Jesus without the Father. But when we get to Jesus... We must eat from the bread of life. We must believe in Jesus, which means placing our full faith and trust our very lives in him by faith. John Chrysostom lived in the 4th century, uh, considered one of the greatest preachers in the early church. In referencing John 6, 44, where we've been camped out for a few minutes, he would say this, this expression does not remove our part in the coming, but rather shows us that we need help to come. We cannot and we will not come on our own. The fact that God the Father is drawing us to Jesus as well does not negate our willingness to believe in Jesus or to eat from the bread of life. So, two ingredients. The Father drawing... And the sinner believing, coming to Jesus and believing, when you mix those two together, guess what happens? Salvation is the end product when we mix those ingredients. Watch this in verse 40. Everyone who looks to the Son and watch believes in Him shall have eternal life. And Jesus says, I will raise them up at the last day, our great hope. Watch this later on, verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, the one who believes has eternal life, for I am the bread of life. And you might say, wait a second, pastor. So is it the Father drawing us to Jesus? Or us believing in Jesus that saves us? Do you know what the answer is to that? Yes. Yes. Both and. Yes, this is an incredibly beautiful, mysterious tension that exists here in John chapter 6. This intersection between God's sovereignty and the volition or the will of man. We see it not only in John chapter 6, but throughout the word of God. And let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit who inspired and was part of the writing of Scripture? You ready? He seems perfectly comfortable with you and me not having it all figured out. Which you know what makes us? Very uncomfortable. But he's pretty comfortable with you not figuring out all the nuances of this. So, what percentage, Pastor, what percentage of salvation is the Father drawing and the sinner believing? 50 50? I'm going to tell you something with a great faith, I can't answer that fully. I don't know. All I know is this biblically. I can't come to Jesus on my own without the Father drawing me, and I cannot be saved by Jesus unless I believe in him. And so let me sum up this recipe for you. you. Ready? God does the drawing. The sinner does the believing. Jesus does the saying. The Holy Spirit does the indwelling. How every nuance of that plays out, I don't know for sure. But I sure am grateful for it. I'm grateful also for what we're going to find here, John chapter 6. And that is the promise for the believer that is baked right into the text. That we're going to see. Watch this in verse 37. In verse 39. Jesus said, and whoever comes to me. Watch this. I will never travel away. In verse 39. I shall lose none of all those he has given to me. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in your Bibles. And I want you to show me something real quick. Show me the conditional clause on e- either of those promises. And here's what I mean. Show me in the Bible where it says, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away away unless you sin. Unless you struggle. Unless you screw it all up. Because then I will drive you away. Show, Show me that in anybody's Bible. Hey, show me the conditional clause that says this. You know what? I shall lose none of all those he has given me in verse verse 39 unless they're hurting. Unless you go through seasons of of helplessness and and hopelessness. Unless you struggle on the whole holiness thing. And then I'm going to lose you. Show me those conditional clauses. And here's why you can't. Because they're not in there. They're nowhere to be found in the text. You see, there's promises of Christ that are baked in to Jesus, who is our bread of life. There are no conditional clauses to Jesus' promise because he has loved us with an unconditional love. Some theologians call this the perseverance of the saints. I think a better phrase is the preservation of. Of the saints, by God. Listen to this in Psalm one forty-five, it, verse twenty. The Lord preserves all those who love Him, but all the wicked, the Bible says, He will destroy. Hey, let me let me simplify this. You ready? About this promise that's baked into the bread of life for every believer. If you and I this morning, if we were to walk the streets of hell. We would not find a single soul that could say, I came to Jesus and he wouldn't have me. Nor would we find a soul that would say, Jesus found me, saved me, and then he lost me, left me, or stopped loving me. Why? Because it's impossible for Jesus to break his word. He never has. And he never will. So I can say, With great confidence today, believer, that you will not be the first one with whom he will break his word or not fulfill his promises. He has not, he cannot, and he will not drive you away or lose you. You see, that's the promise that's baked in to Jesus who is our bread of life. Now, I want to stop for a moment. I want to address something I know to be true. You might be sitting there and you might be listening to all this and say, Anthony, I'm still a little confused. I don't have this all figured out. The father drawing, the sinner believing, where's the line by which that happens and how, to what degree and how is all of this? And you might sit there and go, I don't have it all figured out. Every nuance to God and how he saves us and how he works, I just don't have it all figured out. Good. Join the club. We'll get... We'll get t-shirts made together. I am afraid that I would have failed as a preacher of God's word if you left passages like this this morning. If you left these passages going, I've got God all figured out. His ways and the way he works. Man, I got Him down. I would have failed you today. But here's what I know to be true. God cannot work outside the promises of his word. And he sure can work outside of our ability to fully understand those promises. And now I want us to, to v-line to what is the more controversial part of the text. Man, all this we're on board with. And in fact, let's see how Jesus sort of winds down his sermon here. He says, I am the living bread. Man, don't you love that? Who doesn't like bread? Except for Dr. Atkins and God rest his soul. But anyway, <laughs> I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Hey, guys, real quick. We know this. We've studied this. Jesus is not talking physical bread, but you've got to understand something. This is what most of the people in the crowd were after. This is all they could think about. After I'm done preaching on Sundays, sometimes we don't get out of here till closer to 2 o'clock, and I don't eat in the morning because I, I just... I don't like having a full belly and preaching, And so by the time I get outside those doors, I am hangry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, man, we're V-lining towards a restaurant, and and I don't want to talk to all of I just want to eat, right? You just, you get focused in, and, and that's where this crowd is. They're after physical bread, and this whole sermon has to do with a spiritual bread, Jesus being the bread of life. And so they're listening to Jesus here. And he goes on, and he would say this. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. We're good with that. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Guys, listen. Jesus has given us hints about the cross already, and I love it. Watch verse 52. Then the Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Man, they still talking about the physical bread. They're missing out on what Jesus is teaching them about the salvation of their souls because they're focused on their stomachs. They're hangry. And they're missing Jesus. (laughs) Jesus knows this. And he ratchets it up. Jesus begins to go, I know what you're thinking. And I'm going to raise it just a little bit here because watch this. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, by the way, Jesus' favorite designation for himself in Scripture, he's talking about himself, unless you eat my flesh and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last days. If I were one of Jesus' disciples, I would have tugged on his cloak and said, Hey, did it just get weird in here? Hey, Jesus, did it is this weird for you? Cause it's it's weird for me. Jesus is speaking to a, a bunch of Jewish people. And by the way, this is not a kosher conversation here. But let me explain to you. The word kosher describes something that is suitable for Jewish people because it follows Old Testament dietary laws. For them, what Jesus is saying about eating his flesh and drinking his blood is not kosher, it's cannibalism. And they are shocked at it. They are Their stomachs are turned at his language. Jesus' words to them... Probably sounded more like an opening dialogue in a zombie movie than it did a sermon from the Savior of the world. And so, let me clear something up real quick. In Genesis nine, verse three, it is clear to the glory of God we are to eat animals, and to a lesser glory of God, plants. Right? So we we don't eat each other. The Bible's pretty clear about that. We also know this in Leviticus, and I want you to see this, and this is why they're so offended. Remember, their stomachs are set on physical bread. Jesus is talking about him being the bread of life, the spiritual bread unto salvation. Watch what Leviticus says. Therefore I said, and this is the Lord speaking to the Israelite people, you shall not partake of the blood of any flesh. For watch this. For the life of all flesh is its blood, I want you to notice even Leviticus 17, both flesh and blood are synonymous with life. I just want you to hear me. You've been in this maybe two weeks with me now. Jesus is not asking them to actually eat his flesh and drink his blood, but to by faith Eat and drink from him who is the bread of life, which means to believe in him. It is simple to understand. You ready? The flesh and blood language point to the life of Jesus, and the eating and drinking language points to believing in him. Eating equating to believing is what we see all throughout the passage in John 6. Also, drinking, being um, equated to believing, is what Jesus spoke of with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter four verse 14, "But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst." So, good news. Zombie apocalypse in John chapter six, it's over. Hey, we don't have to convert to being cannibals. We can go back to being simply. Christ followers. Brian Bell, he framed it this way, and I love it. There were two crowds of people there in attendance that day. The first crowd was part of the defection. Watch this play out. On hearing this in verse 60, many of his disciples said, man, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Can I tell you what they're saying? This bread of life and his message It's just too hard to swallow. And so you know what they did? They begin to grumble. By the way, whether it's in the book of Numbers or here, grumbling is always a sign of rebellion against God. They begin to grumble. And Jesus said, does this offend you? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and light. And let some of you do not believe. You do not believe. This crowd who earlier in the chapter wanted Jesus to be king now write him off as crazy. Why? Because they're still focused on their stomachs and on the physical bread. And Jesus was talking to them about spiritual bread, Himself, the bread of life. But I want you to hear me Jesus wasn't the bread they wanted. How couldn't they want Jesus? Hey, believer, every time you and I go, I know what God's word says, but Jesus isn't the bread we want. I know what truth is, but the bread of life's a little too hard to swallow. And so I'm, I'm going to spit it out. I'm going to reject what truth is. Every time we act in a way in rebellion against the king, whether it's in our marriages, in our parenting, what we watch and what we do, what we engage in, you Ready? Jesus isn't the bread I want. And we start reaching for the bread the world has to offer that never satisfies, but always leaves us hungry and thirsty. This talking of eating and drinking accomplished two things here in John chapter six. Hey, number one, they don't know it yet, but Jesus is pointing them to a cross that they don't know that's coming. He pointing them to a cross And here's the second thing it does. It conveyed a strong message to them about their salvation. It's not about being a good Jew full of bread that saves you. It's about believing in Jesus. Hey, can I tell you something? It's not about being a good person, a good Christian that saves you. It is believing in Jesus, eating and drinking from the bread of life I love this in verse 65. This is, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. By the way, there is a crowd full of people that God the Father has yet to begin to draw into Jesus. And Jesus sees that. So from this time, and here's a very sad statement because this is where we find the defection. Those who desert Jesus, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The defection is full on. They deserted him. And this is the defection crowd. Why? Because the bread of life, his message, was just a little too hard to swallow. There's another crowd there that day. And that was the crowd of determination. Watch this in verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Guys, listen, Jesus at this point, in one of the sweetest moments of Scripture, Jesus looks at all the disciples leaving, and he looks to his inner circle, his 12, and he looks at You don't want to leave. Hey, you're not, you're not leaving me, are you? And listen to old Peter, step up to the plate here. Lord, to whom shall we go? Jesus, I, I don't have anybody else but you. Where else can I go but to you, Jesus? And he says this, you have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe that we have eaten from you the bread of life. We have drank from you. And we know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, this is the crowd of Determination. Hey, the bread of life for them. This message they didn't fully understand. It was a little hard for them to swallow, too. But they ate anyway. They believed anyway. And they followed Jesus. They followed. They ate, and they drank anyway. I got to thinking the other day, in a world where so many have deserted Jesus inside and outside the church will you be the crowd of determination, determined to follow Jesus. Well, Anthony, what happens when I read his word and what I want to do in and of itself is not obedience to its rebellion? What happens when the world looks in this book and they see truths in it they don't like? Well, you have two positions, really, believer, that you can take. I would argue just one you have to go with. But you know what? You can say this, that the word of God is beneath me, meaning this, I will believe what I want to believe, I will walk in obedience to what I want to walk in obedience to, I will make excuses for the hard passages, or try to wash them away and wish them away, or try to water down so much that it's offensive to nobody. And you know what? You can stand over the Word of God, or You can live under it. Well, sometimes I don't feel like living this way, but by faith, I'm going to. I know this truth is controversial, but he's Jesus. He's my bread of life, and I follow him. I know obedience is hard. Rebellion seems easier, but you know what? I'm under his word, and I'm going to walk in obedience to Christ. When the hard messages like eat my flesh and drink my blood and we have some confusion, maybe we don't understand it fully, by faith I accept it. Because you know what? He is my bread of life. Hey, church, who else am I going to go to? Where else am I going to go but to Jesus? To Jesus. You say, Well, Anthony, okay. I'm a believer. Still confused on John 6:44, me too. The whole eat my flesh and drink my blood. Couldn't he have gone a different route, sure But that was the message his day. What does that do for me as a believer? So I, I anybody had that sinus stuff over the past few weeks? Gosh, it's been killing me. Well, on Friday afternoon, right after my doctor's office closed my left ear started feeling a whole lot of pressure and then pain and I've done this enough to know that I have an ear infection and that all of my children handle an ear infection better than I do, okay? And so I called Teladoc. You know Teladoc, you call in, they have doctors all over the country who will call you back and what, they'll kind of try to help diagnose you and get you whatever you need, the medicine you need. And so I called Teladoc and a guy calls me back, a doctor calls me back within just a few minutes, and he says, Pastor Anthony Kendall. I said, yeah. He goes, I, I, see, I see your email address, you're a pastor man. Good to talk to you, brother. Immediately I knew we were both believers. And we began to talk, and he said, well, tell me what's going on. I'm like, I'm fixing to die. I need medicine. And so <laughs> he understood my desperation, and uh, he said, listen, here's what you got going on. going mean, we're going we're gonna to give you augmentin. I'm, I'm going to get you some." Hard drugs, ibuprofen, 800 milligrams, right? I'm ordering them for you. I was like, I, I, I just need to preach Sunday. Can you help me preach Sunday? He said, absolutely. And we get to the end of him diagnosing and then writing a prescription. He says, before I send this prescription in, pastor, I need to do so under one stipulation. And I'm like, I just paid the $75. <laughs> what other stipulation is there? And, and he said, I, I want you to promise me before I send this in, I want you to promise me you'll do this and I said okay he goes send your people to the nation's every Sunday send your people to the nation's he said for 25 years I've worked along in Islamic countries with Muslims and some of them will never hear the gospel from birth until their death. They will never hear the good news of the gospel. Anthony, send your people to the nations. And I said, you know what, doctor, you got it. I said, I've been in John chapter 6, and he interrupts me. He says, you know what the problem is in America? I said, what is that, doc? He said, Americans love hoarding bread. Americans hoard the bread of life while so many around the world have never heard the good news of the bread of life. Now you're right. In what are controversial passages that tie up theologians for centuries, we can leave with one simple truth that not a person in this room who has eaten from the bread of life should ever hoard it, but should do everything we can to share the bread, bread of life, with everyone we possibly can. We ought to set a table wherever God's planted us, wherever God sends us, At that table, we ought to serve the bread of life. And we need to invite people to follow Jesus. And so today, doctor's orders. I'm going to send you out of this room with the bread of life. Um, At the beginning of my message, I said this to you. In honor of Memorial Day weekend, that you and I can do the living because someone has already done the dying. We can do the living, we can make a living, we can enjoy the living because someone has done the dying. These four men, posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor and so many different medals, these four men found themselves on an army transport ship During World War II, a ship that carried 902 servicemen was struck by a German submarine. Panic and chaos quickly ensued as men raced for the lifeboats into the frigid waters right off of Greenland. In the midst of the pandemonium, these four men did everything they could to bring a calm to frightened Service member, You see, on that ship and in the war, they never picked up a weapon. They just carried the word of God. They were chaplains. As the ship began to sink, they put on their life jackets and then they found the stash of life jackets and they began to hand life jackets to these servicemen. As the ship began to list and, and it became more slanted in towards the water, They would hand a life jacket off to a young boy and he would jump in the water and begin a brand new fight for his life. And they did this soldier after soldier after soldier. One survivor from a lifeboat remembered this about these four men. He said, it was the finest thing I have seen or hoped to see this side of heaven. They ran out of life jackets on the boat. And so all four of these men, without a word and without hesitation, took off their life jackets and gave it to the next man in line so he could jump into the frigid water and fight for survival. Other reports come in from the lifeboats that as the ship began to sink under the water and began to slant more and more into the water, that they heard these four men praying, talking with Jesus, singing hymns, like what? Wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus as they entered those dark, cold waters and into eternity. Chaplain Pauling, Before he left, he asked his dad, Hey, dad, would you pray for me? And here's what he said to his father Not for my safe return. That wouldn't be fair. Just pray that I shall do my duty, that I'll never be a coward, and I would have the strength and the courage and the understanding of men. Just pray that I'll be adequate. And these men who had tasted and seen that the Lord is good, who had eaten, who had drank from the, this bread of life who is Jesus, they were adequate that day. And God had answered their prayers. I can do the living because someone's already done the dying. And this is true of Jesus. Jesus. In verse 51, this bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. I want you to hear me. On the cross, Jesus did the duty his father sent him to do. He was strong. He was courageous. And Jesus is more than adequate to be your bread of life and mine so that when we take and eat of him by faith, You and I are saved. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray, and believer, I don't don't know how this message hits you. But I will tell you this. If I were a betting man, we've been hoarding way too much bread. Churches all over this community in the world. Guys, we've been hoarding way too much bread, keeping it for ourselves, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, eating from the bread of life, drinking from Him. And somewhere along the way, we forgot that somebody else was hungry, somebody else was thirsty. And while they try to fill their lives with so much of this bread the world has to offer, hey, we have the bread of life who alone can satisfy and save a soul. Hey, church, I want you to hear me. Stop hoarding bread. Stop hoarding it. And set a table where God has planted you, where God is sending you. You set a table. You put the bread of life, who is Jesus, at the center. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.